Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? i got a special guest here. It's Mario Nafal. Mario is the founder of Athena Group of Companies, a business conglomerate with presence in over 40 different countries. His specific focus is on crypto and e-commerce. On top of that, he's a world traveler and a clubhouse influencer. Mario, how are you doing today? What's up, man? How are you? I'm well. I'm well. We're excited to have you on the Clocked In podcast. So tell us, I know back in 2012, you started with selling blenders for frothy in australia how did that story start yeah man I, I was i was knocking on doors selling any product i can get my hands on and then look business one-on-one you focus you double down on what works and that's what i did i had one product that worked really well that was blenders and i just went all in and got seven figures in year one eight figures in year two simply following the money whatever that movie is called follow the money so that's all i did following the money what worked i doubled down i tried different things what worked I went all in. So from door to door to eBay to, to having a website, running Google ads, um, and the list goes on. That's how I got into crypto. All my businesses has been about timing and doubling down on what works after you test different things. Awesome. And where do you think this entrepreneurship double down came from? I don't know. Instincts. I, it just doesn't make sense not to. Like if something works, if you eat something that tastes nice, would you keep eating it? If you yeah. meet someone, if you spend time with someone that you enjoy spending time with, would you keep spending time with them? The same should apply for business. If you do something that works, there's metrics to show that it works. Should you keep doing it? Yeah. So let's take that to go with crypto. Say you pick one and the crypto is a winner. Do we just keep doubling down? Like, how does. Yeah. So you, first thing you should have metrics to know what you de- how to determine a winner. Yeah. So how do you know something is working? What metrics are you looking for? So that's number one. Now, once you, you know those metrics and you see that you're hitting them, yeah, you keep doubling down. You keep expanding your presence more and then you keep testing new things. So once you get to a certain level, you got to also um, diversify your risk. So I started in e-com. Then I wanted to di- diversify out of e-com just in case something wrong happens and launched a consulting firm. They got seven figures in less than six months. And then from there, I'm like, all right, that's working well. Crypto's working well as a crypto consulting firm. Like, what else can I do? I launched a partner at a law firm because I know, you know, <laughs> legal services will always be needed. Um, and now I'm, I'm going to become, uh, by the time someone listens to this, I'll probably be the CEO of a, of a publicly listed fund. Um, so the list goes on. 
on the things you can do, but at the same time, you don't want to do too many things. That's where shiny object syndrome kicks in. Yeah. So focus on something until you get to a certain level before you do something new. I got shiny object syndrome and I have to always fight it. So what's a, what's a good level for the jump? Because I know you've made a bunch of different jumps, but you've been successful in most of them. How does that, how do you know when it's time? Um, I, that's, that's a tough one. Like knowing when to go to something else or knowing, more importantly, when you're trying something, how do you know when it's not working? Because, you know, you have to be yeah. persistent. You have to keep trying before something works. It doesn't magically work. And how do you know how long you need to try? I've got an econ business that I've been trying for two years one and a half years to make it work profitably, still trying. Now, the, the answer to that is, again, having many metrics. With that business, I am getting conversions. It's just not profitable. So I'm trying to increase the average order value because I think in business right now, in e-com, anyone in e-com, AOV, average order value, and LTV, lifetime value, even in B2B, LTV, are, is, are the two most important integrators in my, in my opinion because it's really expensive to acquire a customer. So how do I determine whether it's, you know, I should just drop it and move on to the next thing? Um, so yeah, and also the ROI. So I was doing something that was working, and now we talked about BitCloud. BitCloud is working incredibly well for us. Yeah, I so, need to put all the focus there. So I stopped other things that are not working as well. They're working, but they're not blowing up. I'm like, I need to put the focus on what's blowing up, and then later get the others moving again. So it, okay. limited resources, focusing on what works, and having metrics there to know that it's working. So make sure we measure and monitor everything we're doing, have multiple horses in the race, which is what it sounds like you're doing with multiple different things. And then if one horse starts going really fast, all right, let's jump on that. So you just brought up about BitCloud and I've been hearing a little bit about BitCloud. What exactly is it and why is it, why is it maybe the future? The concept is nothing new. The concept is essentially buying into someone's personal brand. And there's various platforms that do this. There's another uh, platform called Human IPO that just accepted. So I applied for it yesterday. It's invite only and I accepted it today. So I'll probably get onto this this week. Where you can, like, if, I, if you're looking at Mario, so name is Mario Norfolk. You Google me like, crap, this guy is, is doing well. His businesses are growing. He's growing his, his Twitter spaces, Clubhouse. He's got that show called The Roundtable. It's doing really well. You know, I think this guy's got you know, more room to grow. I'm going to put money behind him. He's undervalued. And if I keep growing, that value will go up because more people want to invest in me. So it becomes like a stock market for people's um, reputation or influence. In China, also, it's being done. Uh, even they're, they're ahead of us, ahead of the West. So that's what the concept is. The concept makes a lot of sense, and I wanted to get into it. It's been a year and a half now. And my business partner, Jason Coles, was looking at launching something similar. Now, BitCloud, their growth hacked it to massive, massive growth. Massive growth. They scraped the top 15,000 Twitter accounts and they put them on the platform. So immediately you can invest in people, even people that didn't opt to be on the platform. Oh, Created wow. liquidity pretty much immediately. Supply was there. Now, they're going to get into trouble for sure for doing that. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Uh, but it's a pretty, it's a risk could be a risk worth taking because it allowed them to blow up. And now, for influencers, for those celebrities that are listed, the 15,000, to claim their account, they need to tweet about BitCloud and tweet a link to their account. Oh, wow. To claim it and claim the money because they get a percentage of what... So when people invest in me, so I've got 500,000 people invested in me, one of the top 100 accounts, I think. Yeah. To claim the money that's invested in me, I get 10%. Now, I put it at zero because I don't want the money. So I have it zero for now. So and whenever someone invests in me, I get nothing. But I just grow my account. 
um, usually comes as a standard 10%. So when people invest in you, you get 10%. So if I got 500K, I get 50K. So I used to have like a 10, I used to have a 10%. So I've got about 40, 50K that I can claim, but I don't, I'm not interested in claiming it. So yeah, if I was one of those 15,000 accounts that was mined and put on the platform, what I need to do is tweet about it to go in and they verify it and then I can claim my money. But when I tweet about it, that's free promotion. So you got all these massive influencers tweeting about it and it's just creating a lot of traction for the platform and it's just blowing up. I've seen things blow up fast. I've seen Clubhouse grow quickly. I've seen crypto explode, ICOs explode. Nothing to the speed of Big Cloud. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, people are coming in and they're worth $2 a coin and then it's worth 6000 3000 by the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it, to blow that much, you have to have influence off the platform. You have to be an influencer off the platform. My coin started at nothing. So most people, it's just hard to get investments. It's really crowded. It's getting crowded very quickly. Um, but there are things you could do. And I do a lot of videos explaining to people how to grow, how to find the right investments, how to give value, how to think long-term, all these things. Because you know, you got to think long-term, not short-term profit-making for this yeah. to be really worth your while. <clears throat> um, and yeah, so my coin is going really well. So I've managed to grow my brand from uh, obviously nothing to to. 500k invested $6,000 price of coin, but I'm in it for the long run. So I think it's just the beginning. And I give value. I, I told you, I post. It's like a Twitter, like I didn't mention. The platform is like Twitter. It's essentially Twitter, but with the option of investing in people. Okay. That's the only thing yeah. they added to it. I tweet or on, on Big Cloud, I send a post. I don't know what they call it. And now I'm posting every 30 minutes, 24 hours a day, me and the team. So I've yeah. got pre, pre-written the post. Every 30 minutes, there's a post. Wow. I'm organizing a call with the investors. So it's about giving value. And that, that, it's the concept of giving value will just get an ROI on, on many different platforms. Clubhouse, BigCloud, Business yeah, so, Life, et cetera. So another question is, with the BigCloud, only certain people can be on it as a celeb. Like, you have to be verified, right? Anyone could be on it. Right now, you can go in there and open an account. Now, to get verified, you have to tweet about it and email them that you've, you've um, tweeted about it. You have to tweet your public key, and then you get verified just like you do on, on Instagram and other places. Okay. Very interesting. And then you also made mention of Clubhouse. Now, I know Clubhouse was really hot in January, December. What is the point of that platform? And is that similar to BitCloud, but you can invest in them? Or what, what's going on with no. Clubhouse, and why is that so, Clubhouse is a movement of social audio. Now, Clubhouse collapsed in terms of, of engagement and popularity, uh, but the concept, what they started, is powerful. Um, I still like the platform, but I like it as a speaker. I like it as someone that can go in there and speak and give value. As a listener, I would never go there uh, unless I want to be entertained. Because yeah. for value, if you want to learn about something specific, you Google it and you listen to that specific thing. You don't jump into a broad room, a, a random room that speaks about a million things waiting an hour until they speak about the thing you're interested in. That's why I wasn't a big fan of Clubhouse because Clubhouse essentially is rooms that you go in and you listen to people or, and you can come yeah. up to speak or become a moderator. So there's moderator, speaker, and listeners. That's essentially what Clubhouse is. Twitter is doing the same with Twitter Spaces. So I run the biggest daily room on Clubhouse. Um, Twitter Spaces run the biggest weekly room, biggest weekly space. And um, Instagram now is getting into the, the space. Facebook is doing a copycat. LinkedIn is doing a copy. Telegram already copied them. Discord is doing something similar. So it's the social audio where you can just jump in and just chat um, with people is, um, is uh, gaining a lot of traction. Yeah, and do you see this thing working long-term? Because I wasn't really sure how people were monetizing on it. 
I don't know about Clubhouse. Monetize it. You get attention. Monetizing attention is easy. Clubhouse yesterday introduced the option of tipping speakers. Yeah. So you can actually make money just speaking. Um, but it's essentially monetizing attention. Any platform that allows you to get attention has uh, got has got future. Yeah. So Clubhouse, will it be there in a year or two years' time? Or will it be like tele, uh, what is it, Periscope? We don't know. Social audio, will it be there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going all in with social audio. And how, how do you do that? What is... What do you mean by that? So I'm I'm be creating rooms everywhere. So I'm already doing it on on Clubhouse, and now I'm I'm I've stopped for a bit on Clubhouse. I'm doing it on Twitter Spaces. Uh, I'll be doing Instagram Lives very often. I'll be doing I'll be using a tool to do LinkedIn Lives. Now, this is video and audio, but LinkedIn yeah. is going to do an audio only version. Facebook is going to do an only audio only version. So I'll be using those. I think the live. I think mean, this is also bringing a lot of um, uh, attention to the concept of live where you can just jump in and listen to people live um it's gaining traction i think it's going to get a lot more steam again so we'll see um, but what's interesting as well is the algorithm of clubhouse is really interesting clubhouse allows you to um grow your room by having big names there so how do i i used to get ten thousand people listening to me per day seven days a week the way to do that is to get big names to come in the biggest celebrities to come in people with a lot of followers now that same concept works on other platforms if you get people with big followers to come in live with you their followers will be notified. There's a way to make it work. So we found a way to make it work on different platforms. So when we're going on a Facebook Live or a YouTube Live, we can get two, three speakers and then all their listeners will be notified, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, that is cool. So that's how you essentially are merging with each other and allowing everyone to rise up. And then the audience gets better because it's basically like a live platform live speaking engagement but no one has to pay for it they all get to see it and it's value add yep do you see in the future um people going to start charging for these rooms like i understand that clubhouse allows you to tip but are they going to start locking rooms down um they could be i think this is a, the only fans movement is ongoing so twitter is doing something similar to only fans um similar how they copy clubhouse are copying only fans i think they already did where you can tip people to access access premium content I think there's anyone that has a personal brand that has influence, that has a following, it's a golden use for them right now. There's just so many ways to monetize it. Yeah. And so let's start off first. What would you say to someone who's looking to grow their personal brand? And then second, we'll dive into what are some of the ways to monetize? To grow your personal brand, I'm going to be cheesy, but it's, it's just so accurate. Give value consistently. Full stop. Oh, no, Without it's... asking for anything... For asking for anything in return. Like, just constantly give value. My clubhouse rooms, I never sold a course, never sold coaching, never sold program, anything at all. I just constantly gave value nonstop, above yeah. and beyond. Yeah, and people are on I these clubhouses. People are on these clubhouses 24 hours a day. It's it's bizarre. It's crazy. How, it's, now, it's, it's diminished now, but it was pretty insane. And why did you feel the need to hop in early and go all in on this? Because isn't it occupying a lot of your day? I occupied all my day for a month, literally every minute, yeah. every minute I had. Um, underpriced attention. So timing is the most powerful thing in business. There's a great TED speech by Bill Gross, G-R-O-S-S, that I recommend anyone listens to. Bill Gross timing. And he talks about how timing was more important with his study. It was more important than a business plan, a team, a business idea, the funding. All of it was less important than timing. So for me, BitCloud is at the right time right now. Clubhouse was at the right time back in January. Um, and then the Twitter spaces will be at the right time now or, or in a few weeks. 
So it's always going to be the timing aspect that just gives you that edge. People early in Instagram, early in YouTube, they manage to get a lot of real estate and build their reputation on. They look at the Logan and Jake Paul, for example. Yeah, this is uh, digital real estate, essentially. Exactly. So with you, are you, you left Clubhouse and now you're looking to jump on all the other ones, but are you looking to go all in on any of them? Like only do spaces or people are using... Because I know some people are utilizing all metrics at all. Like they'll be on Twitter. Uh, we'll be using, the, all, yeah, we'll be using different platforms. We'll be using different platforms. So if BitCloud didn't come into the mix, I'll be doing it right now. But we'll be doing a space on Twitter. We'll be doing a room on Clubhouse. We'll be doing a, a live on YouTube. So the plan uh, in the next month or so is to do lives everywhere. And when audio comes up, the social audio, I'll be running rooms everywhere, audio-only rooms. I like audio-only because you can just walk around. You don't have to have video. You don't have to hold the phone. I could be in the bathroom. I could be doing exercise. And you got that freedom. Yeah, and it allows you to do much, much more. So do you see people repurposing these? Like what is the, it's the value add, but then where do they, I get that it's a very long-term play, but when does it play out? Like people just start to know about you and now they are like, I'm a Mario fan, let's go. Or where does- The monetization aspect comes in? Yeah. There's so many ways to monetize. I still don't sell any course. Because I'm just finding business partners. I'm finding connections. Like I'm opening a fund now. And I can just do a tweet or post. I don't do a tweet. I don't have a lot of Twitter followers yet. But I can do a post on Instagram, for example, or, or send it out to my email list or my WhatsApp groups. I have a lot of WhatsApp groups saying, hey, I'm opening a fund. Um, do you know any investors? Or if I want to get into BitCloud, I'm like, who's on BitCloud? And I get people helping me out. Um, I'm looking to partner with a business that does X, Y, and Z. And I get people reaching out. So it just opens up a lot of doors. So it's not really about the small things, but it's about no more people knowing who you are, willing to help, and having your kind of being able to jump in the field with you. Yeah, and, and this, look, I, I was uh, working with a guy called Nick Branding. We're still working together to buy businesses. Yeah, he so was on the podcast. Was, yeah, yeah, Nick Branding is great. So we'll be we'll be potentially working together to, or we'll be working together to buy businesses together and growing them together. Another guy called Sohail Khan. He's a joint venture guy, so he would uh, help me out with any JVs that I need. Um, who else? So, oh, yeah, Jay, with, with Sahel, what we did was always, we were looking for, we had the pitch room that he would do, and people would pitch a partnership for us. JT Fox did the same, where people pitch their business for either an investment or a partnership, and I would just get partners that way. And, of course, getting clients is easy. So I have a growth hacking agency, the biggest growth hacking agency in the world, and I would just get, even without promoting it, people love the concept of growth hacking, and there's not many people that do it. So I would get messages like crazy about people interested in growth hacking whenever I talked about it. What is growth hacking for the audience? It's probably the most important thing you should learn right now in business, period. It's a skill that's incredible to have. I learned about it about a year ago. When I learned about it, I went all in. I rented a big villa. I was in Turkey at the time. I rented a big villa, you know, similar to this one. See, I'm, rent- I'm doing the same thing here. There's a team yeah. there that is working on BitCloud. Uh, so I rent big villas and invite the smartest people to work with me. So I invented a big villa in Turkey and invited all the growth hackers. What is growth hacking? It's a, it's a way to game algorithms to get ahead. I did okay. it on Clubhouse, did it on Twitter, I did it on YouTube. And it's not breaking the rules. It's just knowing what, like on Clubhouse, what works is getting people with a big following. That's the basic. Another growth hack is whenever you moderate someone on Clubhouse, all the, I don't know if it's the same now, but before, all their audience get notified when you moderate them. So what I did, was I would, no, when you bring them up the stage. So what I did was every like half an hour, I'd bring everyone from stage off the stage and then bring them up, up, up again. So I constantly notify all their followers that, hey, they're speaking. So all their followers constantly get notification every half an hour, X person is speaking and it keeps filling up the room. That's a growth hack. 
we send thousands of messages on different platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, not YouTube, um, um, email, uh, Twitter, tweets, at scale, thousands of them a day um, through growth hacking, really. So growth hacking is just leveraging those tools to just do more at cheaper price. And I think if you're starting out in business, it gives you a massive edge, especially when your budget is limited. And if you have a business doing really, really well, it gives you that additional fuel. Um, and again, gives you that edge as well over competitors. So, so if you go on Google, if you go on Google right now, you look at best for charter dancer, I come up in the top three thanks to my team. If you Google top clubhouse moderators, I come up in the top five thanks to my team on, on two links. So uh, ranking high on Google, they use growth hacks to be able to rank articles. We do it for us, for clients. Um, it, it's an incredible, it, it just made a massive change to my business. And so where did you discover growth hacking and is it just relevant to the social media spaces or is it relevant to? It's relevant to life. Yeah. Growth hacking. You can growth hack learning. Tim Ferriss talks about it. He's got a book called the four hour chef. And in the book, he talks about how he's managed to learn things quicker than anyone else and use different growth hacks to do it. He learned the algorithm of learning and then broke it down, dissected it and managed to learn a lot quicker than others. Yeah, which is the advantage because we have time as our most valuable asset. And if we're able to have more time because we can do things faster, then we can accomplish more. So where do you see for yeah, so also where'd you find out about growth hacking? Because you said you uh, found my out- business partner, yeah, my business partner Kirill. I knew about growth hacking as guerrilla marketing. So I knew about guerrilla marketing. Um, and I love the concept of being, you know, bootstrapped and being creative. There's a great book called Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. It talks about guerrilla PR. So I love the concept of guerrilla marketing. And then growth hacking came into my life by uh, Kirill, who's my business partner as well and a good friend. He found out about it, got into it, and then I followed suit. And now um, we work together and I have We Are Growth Hackers. That's the name of the agency. We Are Growth Hackers. And we teach it for free. Well, I teach it for free. Kirill has a boot camp. It's called, I think, Growth Hacking Boot Camp. It's a paid boot camp where he teaches it. And um yeah, it's just, it just boosted all my businesses. My crypto consulting firm is doing better. My growth hacking agency, obviously getting a lot of clients. Um, and whenever I do anything and we just growth hack, I have a team of really smart geeks that just find ways to to blow it up. BitCloud is no difference. Yeah. So Mario, how long have you been, seems like you've been jumping around. You're in a lot of different spaces, got your hands all over the place. What, what's your like long-term goal? Where do you see yourself going? I don't know, man. I, I love momentum and growth. So I just chase that day by day. That's what keeps me happy. Um, there's a certain financial goal I want to meet. I'll probably meet it this, this uh, I want to get to nine figures, uh, which gives me that perpetual comfort in life. Um, probably get it, hopefully get there by next year. And um, beyond that, you know, the, the pursuit of happiness <laughs> sounds cheesy, but what else is there to pursue? Honestly, yeah. if you got money, if you got comfort, there's only happiness left. Yeah. Absolutely. And how do you manage? Because I know you've been traveling for seven plus years. And when I say that, that means like you travel for seven plus years. Like you've been living in different cities and different countries. Is that difficult with time zones? How do you manage all that? No, I got freedom and comfort. So I could do whatever I want whenever I want. Um, Because when you're financially comfortable, you have that. No obligation. So I sleep whenever I want. And now I'm doing a lot of podcasts. So that kind of constricts my time. Um, but time zone, I, I work remotely um, and i got teams around the world. So I could, whenever I wake up, there's someone awake to work with. Okay. So you got people all over the world 
covering different areas. So there's different people to interact with. So where do you, um, where was your favorite place you stayed at? And what caused um, you to pick the next spot? It's always something different. So um, countries are all the same to me because I don't do much other than dancing and working. That's pretty much all I do. Um, So any country that has good internet, like a comfortable place to be, nice weather and uh, places to dance, I'm happy. Um, I like Marina del Rey in the US, even though I didn't dance there. It was a really beautiful place. Um, Europe, I'm a big fan of Europe. I love Slovenia. So probably Slovenia, Marina del Rey turned out to be the most um, memorable locations. Yeah, and what allowed you to, I understand the financial, you started when Frothy took off, is that what allowed you to start traveling? Yeah, Fruity. Um, Fruity got Fruity. to seven figures in year one, eight figures in year two. Um, and year three is probably when I kicked off traveling. I went to, I think it was Serbia was the first country I went to. Oh, Indonesia or Serbia. Yeah, and that's when you just started moving to the e-commerce. That was already, Fruity was e-commerce. And then I got into, uh, when I was in Slovenia, um, I got into crypto. And now I'm, I'm getting into investing a lot. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you go after, like, what causes you to go to the next place? Is it like you're looking to meet up with someone, see different yeah, people? Uh, I don't know. It's always something different. It's always like, I was in Slovenia because my uh, partner at the time, she wanted to dance there. I'm like, all right, let's go there. Let's make it a base. I was in Dubai for tax reasons. Uh, I go to Lebanon because it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, I might go to Colombia. There's a lot of dancing there. Europe, there's a lot of festivals. I went to Turkey because I had a festival there. So I travel the world dancing bachata as well. I get invited to festivals every week or two uh, to dance. Uh, not perform, but just to dance with people there um, and to do workshops. So I, that's my hobby. And I travel because of that as well. And if I like a country, I might stay there. I might, sometimes I go there for a week and I end up staying for six months. It happens. <laughs> yeah. So with the dancing, what style is it and how do you get into it? Dancing is bachata, which is a Latin sensual dance. Got into it. <laughs> I, watched, I got into. I started with tango at a young age because I watched a movie called um, by Al Pacino. It has Al Pacino in it as a blind guy, scent of a woman, and he danced tango as a blind person. It was beautiful. I'm like, holy shit, I want to do that. And I, I'm, I'm obsessed with personal growth, personal development. I'm yeah. always obsessing over improving every single aspect of who I am, and I wanted to be a good dancer. So I learned tango, and it's a great way to meet girls as well. But then I realized there's no parties that you can go dance tango. A bachata, around the world, you can literally go out to like five in the morning dancing bachata. And it's a great way to meet people and meet girls, really. You're not going to dance with guys. And just have people around you and, and um, exercise. So it, it ticks all the boxes, socializing, girls, and the music, and movement, exercise. Wow. And when you – is this the same concept of the doubling down? Like we saw it was cool. And you're like, I need to get good at this. Like, let me go meet these different people. Let me get involved in this community. Yeah, I, I loved it so much. I loved it so much. I just doubled down. I was learning it like crazy until I become what they call an artist. And as an artist, you get to travel, you get invited to different countries to dance and girls would just line up to dance with you. So it was a good life. And um, it's a good experience for as long as it, it lasts until I get bored. And how long have you been doing that in conjunction with your business? Is there one you prefer? Or Because most people are like, I got to get laser focused. And you, you're just like, I love the different hobbies, seeing the different but stuff. I focus, but I, I, my focus is, is, is not scattered. Like I focus on one thing. So I have other people to run my businesses. When I was doing Clubhouse, I had zero focus on my businesses. And there was a period when I danced a lot and I wouldn't work that much. 
I would work less. I would work maybe 10 hours a day instead of like 15, maybe six, seven hours a day. Because um, yeah. I have nothing else. I don't like anything else. Sometimes even less. I've got like four or five hours a day, which is unheard of for me. Yeah. Uh, because I would just be dancing the other time and just enjoying life. So uh, for me, if it's not dancing or doing crazy things or, or, or business, I really don't do it. I don't do Netflix. I don't do restaurants. I don't do movies. I don't do hanging out with friends, having a beer. I don't do those things. See, and that's uh, something super important that you just brought up. When people say, oh, you have 24 hours in a day, how do you allocate them? You just heard, Mario, no Netflix, no going to the movies, no hanging out with friends, no doing this. It's laser focused and going all in. It's not like, hey, I was working really hard and then I had myself a nice dinner and a beer and watched TV for two hours. You know what I mean? It's all in, which I can appreciate because it that that's what they mean by let's get the most out of the 24 hours. We all have 24 hours in the day. You know, there's a, there's a competitive edge when you have a team because it technically gives you more hours. So I can get my team to do things for me. It's like me having more hours. So I have that leverage. But personally, I have 24 hours a day. And yeah. when you're starting out, when you have nothing, you have only those 24 hours. Making the most out of every minute is an obsession I've had for, for literally most of my life, if not yeah, almost all my life. What was the best way you learned how to scale by bringing others in? Obviously, in the beginning, it's bootstrapped where it's like, we don't got many people. We don't got much money. What allowed you to make that jump in that trust? Um, and so it's starting to delegate people. I think delegation is an underrated skill, one of the most important skills in business. But it's a really difficult one to master. I was surprised. For me, I was the opposite. I was delegating like crazy. Um, and that was my weakness. I would just trust people really easy. Because when you delegate, you have to take three box boxes. The right person for the right job. And then, so what was it? The right person. Oh, yeah. The right person for the right job. Delegating properly. Teaching like you're teaching a kid. And then having a feedback loop to making sure they're doing the, the job well. So you have to find the right person for the right job. You know, you get someone who's organized who's disorganized, you don't get them to be a project manager, for example. So that's tick number, box number one, you got to tick. The right person for the right job. Number two, teaching them properly and giving them everything they need. Like you're giving a kid a whole Wikipedia, we call it a wiki in the team, an SOP, standard operating procedure, explaining the entire process. And number three, there should be a feedback loop. How do you know? There should be metrics every day to make sure they're doing the right job. If you tick those three boxes, you're going to kill it. Delegation is such a powerful tool, a skill to have. If you don't tick those boxes, you'll, it will fail. You're like, shit, I can't delegate it. I'm the only one that can do it. And then you're in that hamster wheel of not being able to grow. So delegation is, is, is freaking powerful for anyone. There's a great video called The Art of Delegation. I think hopefully it's still there. You should be able to find it. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that because there's so many people who want to own everything and are scared of that. But the ability to jump in and jump into that delegation is huge. So one last question because I know our time's short. What's your favorite? You've referenced many different books throughout this podcast. What's your favorite book? The Obstacle is the Way, Ryan Holiday. Highly recommend it. You, as an entrepreneur, anyone in life, really, you'll get punched in the face. And I was doing an interview at a, at a podcast earlier. Um, um, crap, I forgot the name. That's not good. Anyway, I was doing an interview earlier, and the person was quadriplegic. His name was I should, Barry Short. So I was doing an interview with Barry Short on Barry Short's show. Quadriplegic, man. The most positive, energetic person you will ever meet. He was quadriplegic. He still can't get up from a chair. Yeah. So he, I don't know if you read the book or not, but he understands of putting things into perspective. He was saying, hey, if you wake up in the morning, you're already lucky to be alive. 
So having that mentality and putting things into perspective, and I've had to go through this myself, where I have to think, I'm like, you know, I lost a million dollars or I lost $5 million or I, I'm, I had someone treat me badly or I lost this deal, whatever it is. I still have two arms. I still have two legs. I still have yeah. to sit there. I'm going to eat a nice meal today. I've got a comfortable bed to sleep in. My mom is still alive. Like there's a lot of things you can come up with to remind you that, hey, you're definitely like, I'm not being tortured. <laughs> there's people being tortured as we speak. So it's a pretty dark world we live in. And once you appreciate the fact that, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is, and there are still good things around and focus on those good things, it's, it's life-changing. The Obstacle is the Way is a very short book that explains it well. And it's a very difficult thing to do, man. Very difficult thing to do, but very powerful. Absolutely. It sounds very similar to the power of gratitude, just being grateful for where you're at. Absolutely. And um, yeah, awesome. Mario, I've really appreciated the time. Thank you so much for coming on. Man, I'm humbled to be here. I appreciate it, Jordan. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.